welcome to the Learning and Development Podcast. I'm David James from 360 Learning, and each episode I chat with guests about what lights them up in the world of people development. In this episode, I'm welcoming back Ross Stevenson to discuss some important work he's doing with ChatGPT and its applications to L&D. But before we get into it, if you're enjoying this podcast, please do take some time to give us a five-star rating on your podcast app of choice to help others to find us, and thank you if you've done so already. Now, let's get into it. Ross, welcome back to the Learning and Development Podcast. Hello, and thank you for having me back once again. Uh, so Ross, you've been doing some important work with ChatGPT and its potential applications in L&D. Mm. How would you sum up what you've been doing so far? Yeah, I would probably sum it up as stumbling through the matrix, <laughs> to, <laughs> to be honest, um, at many times. But I think that I give the more business professional answer that would be just really trying to discover and experiment with new technologies mm. to understand its potential for you know, one for workforce development, which is obviously, you know, kind of the area that we're all working in. And myself is kind of look at it as a kind of modern L&D pro, because I've always felt like, you know, digital technology is such the enabler for many things these days. And early adoption, as we've seen through history, has always paid dividends uh, for people. So when I kind of found out about this whole kind of generative AI game, we can call it about a year ago now, actually, mm. um, before ChatGPT came out. So when it was GPT-3 on a open AI playground and people were like, what is this strange thing? Um, I was quite intrigued. And I think once I started to understand there's some actual use cases here, um, I was like, cool, this this feels like something that I should investigate, something to experiment with. Like I said, I always hold my hands up. It's, you know, I'm not an expert in AI at all. It was just that this looks interesting, may have some use cases. Let's go and check it out and then just share it freely. Cause I was really just keen to understand do other people know about this thing? Are they using it? How are they using it? What can I learn from them? And I think the last bit to that is that as the conversation's gone on in this area is we all do as humans there's so much kind of doomsday in of you know this is going to end the world or we're not yeah. going to have jobs and i think oh you know i'm old enough now where I'm like, i've seen this tale a few times already yeah. where this is going to finish and you know we're not going to have all this stuff so i was like how can i cut through the noise on this make it simple for people who aren't you know they're not me they're not 95 percent of the world are not data scientists or ai engineers and mm. understanding how this works so how can i simplify that how can we move from kind of more doomsday to a bit more what are the opportunities and um and just have a balanced view so yeah in terms of summing up i think it's it's really just been discovering experimentation and just sharing it with people mm. you what you you've touched on something important there that would just mm. take us a bit of a, uh, a side route um as as i was studying um uh for a foundational certificate for a psychology degree um mm. many years ago um we did a whole module on moral panics and mm. you know this is something you explored on social media as well that mm. moral panics are are very human responses to um societal shifts mm -hmm. uh, which includes technology and we've got to remind ourselves that um writing uh getting like actually committing thoughts to paper or papyrus mm. or you know whatever the mm. form was created a moral panic because it was deemed that it's that it's... would affect human memory um the printing press was uh, uh there was a huge moral panic uh, around that and then we've seen um 
in in more recent years, if we could say uh, the last 100, 150 mm, years, mm. Uh, more rapid advancement. And there was moral panic around radio, around television, uh, mm. around uh, the the Internet in general. There was a moral panic about taking calculators into maths exams. Mm. There was, you know, whenever there is a an advancement which is um, significantly different to mm. what had been accepted previously then a very natural human response is fear um but mm. i also think that and let, let's be really cynical now this sells newspapers this gets mm. clicks and uh and we've got you know moral panics can can be a way for people to make money um so you know, I don't. I don't know whether your exploration of uh, of moral panics or advancements in technology had uh, uh, had found anything uh, in in addition to that, Ross. Yeah, I mean, definitely build upon that. It, it, it's exactly that. Mm. Um, I mean, we are programmed in that way biologically, right? To always be looking out for threats. You know, we're mm. built to survive. We're not necessarily built for knowledge. So, to your point, you know, fear fear sells. Fear mm. is sexy in media. That's how what attracts yeah. attention. If you know, you could get two different headlines. If you said to people. You know, chat GPT is going to replace your job and you're going to lose all your income and the world's going to end. You're going to read that. But yeah. if you were saying chat GPT is going to simplify your workflow and save you time and, you know, oh, you know, that's not that's all right. Cool. I'll carry on. So um, that is the that is the way the world is it. But I think mm. like with all things, all those examples you've just given, eventually we've all got to a balanced view where the mm. hype has then merged into the everyday way of mm -hmm. life. And then we've started to understand, and I'm sure we'll talk about this, especially with generative AI in, you know, augmentation of using new technologies with human support mm. versus complete automation, right? So, yeah, um, yeah it, but that's good. That's how it sells, right? It sells a lot. It does sell. It does sell. So let's get into some of the reality, Ross. And mm. uh, could you share with us how you personally use ChatGPT uh, for your work and your learning? Yeah, definitely. So a couple of ways. So I think one of them, um, and this might surprise people, is that I don't actually use it to write anything. So mm. I'm not using it. So by trade, I'm kind of a, a writer. I use writing as a tool to think. So that's basically me making sense of the own chaos in my mind. I don't think me spending the time to train ChatGPT on how crazy my mind is to then mm. output that is going to be very helpful for me or it. So what I looked for it to do really is a couple of roles in one, a research partner. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you'll notice as well, the kind of swath of data we get in the industry is just mad, 100 page reports. And, you know, look, I'm one guy that does a newsletter and a website. I haven't got all the time in the world to be reading 100 page reports. So mm. the ability to synthesize and uncover insights quite quickly that I can then investigate and bring my own point of view on has been so helpful mm. um, with that. And then using it as a thought partner. And the reason why I think that's interesting for LND as well is that I spent the majority of my career as kind of a, a solo act in the mm. LND kind of space, in the corporate space. And sometimes that can be quite lonely. And if you can work with something, you know, yes, it is artificial intelligence, but it can give you a different point of view mm. and it can help you break down maybe some complex pieces that you don't quite understand and if you were to do that via a google search it's not going to quite give you that refined experience to ask you questions back to make it applicable to your industry mm. that has also been very very powerful in just using it for thought partnership and yeah. what i have found of that is that 
what that's allowed me to do as an individual is really focused on the creative stuff because I've kind of got this area where, all right, I didn't think about that. You know, that was really helpful. How can I do this? So getting different points of view as a solo individual, um, incredibly important. Unearthing insights at speed is just, you know, I'd love to just kind of think about how many hours that saves me a week at the moment, Mm. which is incredibly impressive. And the way I look at it really is that going back to this augmentation and automation piece is that I would say that I work with ChatGPT in a 80% augmentation. So it's like it's my partner in, in tasks and I partner with it on other stuff to help it understand more what I'm trying to achieve. And then I might automate 20% of what I do. And that automation may be, you know, stuff like help me think about a couple of ideas for this or, you know, someone sent me this email. What could I do about X, Y, and Z based on your training data? Um, so, so it really depends. So my work in that space, that is what I'm using it for. And that is essentially what I'm sharing with other people is to say, how do we think beyond what you see in the glitz and glam of social media and the writing element? And how do we dig deeper on, you know, what are the other use cases there? And, you know, the only way for me to really share that appropriately is by going through that process, experimenting, failing and learning, mm-hmm. and then, you know, using it there. So I'm definitely one of those people where, I'm practicing what I preach. So all the stuff that's there with all the videos, my head run around is literally me in the moment going, how does this work? How do we do that? Here's how it works. <laughs> now, what I love about that, uh, Ross, is um, uh, counter to what we were talking about with uh, with moral panics there, we're not talking about something that's taking over. Uh, we're not uh, taking, uh, we're not talking about um, something that is just throwing up um dubiously credible mm, or uncredible mm. uh responses mm. um you know in a in a really crude way what i'm mm. hearing you saying is that that being learning and development is no notoriously small teams very rarely do you work with partners with that uh, within mm. those teams even when teams are big you've got um uh, specialist areas because small team is covering an enormous client base so instead of just kicking a ball in a field and then running after mm. it, you're using ChatGPT as a wall. Mm. So, so you mm. kick the ball and the ball comes back to you, which allows you to much more quickly improve mm. your technique on what you're trying to achieve from that. Mm. It's it is and it's it's an extension of you. But what I love about that, and where I see the huge potential, is if you're relying always on colleagues, then you mm. need them to have made the time to have ultimate attention to be authoritative in an area mm. and probably more critically emotion free so mm. so that emotion means uh, which which sometimes clouds our thinking which makes us very subjective which when we're considering uh, a response to somebody that we might be working mm. with we're considering all these other time pressures we're considering um uh, constraints around what we believe is possible in all of our responses it goes through such incredible filters but what Mm. you're describing there is that that when you're kicking your ball against the chat gpt Mm. wall it Mm. is it's actually playing a really significant role that Mm. you you would find very difficult if not nigh on impossible to do on your own and it would be almost impossible if not Mm. more impossible for that role to actually be played by another human but you are mm. actually increasing the capacity of yourself and your learning and development function mm. by using it as a thought partner. Is that, I mean, 
is is that going some way to describing the experience? Yeah, yeah, certainly. And I think that there's a couple of things in there that are quite interesting. I mean, one comes to mind, and actually I saw a post from Guy Wallace about this the other day in terms of groupthink versus individual mm-hmm. thinking, where sometimes um, you know, group thinking can be quite dangerous as well in terms of that creation process. And as someone that fundamentally creates for a living now, I, I do see that sometimes. It kind of gets away from the um initial interpretation of you know what I'm kind of trying to do in that space mm. with that creation and i think the other thing is like, like i say is speed it's like if we think about as you say that the time it would take to do all of that as we discussed some human element that could be a week that could be two weeks the ability for me to do that at speed i just can't put a, a monetary figure on that you know and i think going back to your earlier point where how i look at this a little bit is that what writers do is they always prep their page. They mm. don't go in with a blank document. They've got a kind of a template and they work in that template to build their next kind of piece of writing to help their thinking. Mm. I look at that chat GPT relationship in the same way, where what it's helping me do is just kind of prep it a little bit. Mm. So instead of me sitting in the room at a whiteboard or staring at a blank screen, I've got this tool where I can just say, hey, I'm doing this thing. This is what I'm thinking based on all this training data you've got from the world mm. up until the end of 2021, you know, what could you recommend? And mm. it's like, you know, it, it's funny because I think about, this will show my age a little bit, but back in the nineties, you know, you had um, the encyclopedia Britannica that everyone mm. used to buy. And they were like, I'm going to get these 20 CDs and go through them to find answer. It's like, you're just able to tap into that in a mm. second and then just say, this is what I'm doing. Ask me some questions around that. Um, and it just, it just gives you another point of view. And I must say there's times where I'm like, there's times where I'm disappointed, of course. There's other times I'm just surprised. I'm just yeah. like, wow, that's that's a really smart kind of insight to come out with. And then it leads me to then take that and that plants a seed for them to go, right, from a human side, how can I now use my critical thinking and understanding of the world and culture mm-hmm. to build upon that? Um, and again, that's why I look at it more like a, you know, we're going to move into this element now where it's a productivity tool. Yeah, It's kind of a very standard productivity tool. The kind of hype cycle has kind of gone from, you know, all these 19-year-olds trying to tell us how to earn a thousand pound a day with 2,400 prompts <laughs> to, okay, how do we bake it into systems in an organization? And mm-hmm. how does it help enable people to not only work at speed, but how can they do better work? And, yeah. you know, through that, from an L&D perspective, and I can definitely say that, how does that challenge you and help you improve as a person? Because if you're an example being, if we're talking about, in you know, the classic example is people talking about writing in, in marketing. If you're not good at writing, if you just suck at doing Slack messages, Teams messages, or getting your points across in emails, if you could have that tool help you to get better over time, you're fundamentally going through a learning experience yeah. over the course of weeks or months where it's helping you to improve because you may not have known how to, you know, you could be a graduate and you've never written an email before mm-hmm. to a senior person. And I was like, oh my God, like, what do I, what do I do here? And you're not going to ask someone else, you know, Outlook's not going to tell you how to do it, but mm-hmm. actually you've got this kind of partner that just go, okay, you know, based on what we see all over the internet, here's some templates you could use. Here's some yeah. things you could think about. And it just gives you, I think a little bit more of an edge and it gives you a, a bit more knowledge for you to say, right now how can i take this and then contextually apply it to my world and then build upon that so i think it's incredibly exciting 
Yeah, well, I want to build on the, on on what you've just been sharing mm. there from a couple of different angles. The first mm. one is first to acknowledge, and this is the elephant in the room, that ChatGPT is about so much more than mm. content creation. So, mm. so when when we um, when this first emerged, we heard about how this was going to uh fundamentally challenge the role of copywriters it uh, it talked about um the what makes fiction um important and you know and how it's human so so mm. it talked about the the creation of content and the challenge of some of what it means to be human and ask questions like um does art created by chat gpt mm. mean less than 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 that because and that's because our our fundamental understanding of it was that it was going to write stuff for us it was going to create images for us um it now we you know it will create videos for us mm. and some of the 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 interesting stuff if not uh, very novel it's going to do music you know it's it's going to mm. have uh, frank sinatra singing the arctic monkeys or or, mm. or something which again as a as a novelty um mm. it you know it can have a few seconds of uh, provides a few seconds of entertainment mm. um and it, there has been talk of it disrupting industries for for which you know there was the headline in um the financial times uh, at the beginning of the year where uh, it stated that the first industry uh, to be disrupted was education where mm. shares in pearson and i believe duolingo uh, had plummeted they did yeah. because th- this was no longer a content play but i think mm. that that building on what you've just shared there it's because it's an incredible powerful tool that can help with actual learning and not just mm. the publishing of content so so in our thinking about chat gpt as mm. lnd professionals what else do we need to consider when exploring its potential yes yeah, so i think that the first bit i start from is really considering what is your intent mm. with the tool and reverse engineer from that and what i will say as a caveat is look that chat gpt and generative ai tools they're not always the right tool for mm. the job or don't it may seem like that you know from what we see on social media and the media in general it's most certainly not a swiss army knife and mm. it's not going to do it all and i think this is where it comes into the use case bit i think the mistake people make is that they go tool first yeah. use case later where mm. it should be use case first tool later and there's a number of considerations in this so something that i saw from LinkedIn CEO, Ryan Roslansky, which I've started to adapt when I'm talking to organizations and individuals on this is basically using a AI task assessment framework, which you could do is very simply, you know, you can just basically create a table and you have three columns. One that's basically tasks that I can automate with AI, tasks that I can collaborate with an AI and tasks that are uniquely human. And then what you can do is probably take something that you might do as an L&D professional, if we take you know, it might be like an email campaign. You could, well, sorry, no, let's do a different one. It could be something around learning data, um, you know, which we all need to get better at really. But it's like how we can use generative AI tools like ChatGPT to then automate the synthesize, synthesizing the data that you've got, giving you the insights. Then you take that and take it into working with a tool like ChatGPT to then understand how can we uncover the top five insights in this data? And there may be 30 or 40 insights. So then you've covered off your automation part with ChatGPT taking that learning data. You cover the collaboration part where you work together to uncover insights. But then the human task will be, you have to present that to the C-suite team. You need to build out a presentation. You need to deliver and make 
context of these actual pieces. So that's the unique human task in there. And ChatGPT is, you know, it's not going to do that for you. Mm. So you need to kind of place that in. So I always look at, you know, looking at the tasks you do as an individual, you know, daily, looking at the team tasks that you do, and then start to look at how could we support that with mm. a tool like ChatGPT or other generative AIs as well. And again, another caveat that to that will be, look, you know, there's two different versions of ChatGPT right now. So obviously you've got the kind of freeware version, which there's a lot of data concerns around there. We can definitely talk about that. And then there's the kind of enterprise version, which is very new. So you basically call that ChatGPT for business, which is basically your own ChatGPT trained on your company data, which I think is even more interesting because that's where, you know, it really starts to come to life. And then you can use them in different ways. So they both have the same use cases, but of course, the main thing behind that is, you know, data. When I'm talking about using your company data, you know, don't go and do that on the free version of ChatGPT yeah. or the paid for version because it's not going to end well. If you have ChatGPT Enterprise, that's a different story. But I think a lot of it is in just understanding, you know, what is this technology we've got now? Mm -hmm. What is generative AI? What is a large language model? People will probably think I'm speaking some foreign language as I say this stuff. But I'm the easiest way to get an understanding of how do you mitigate this fear? How do you help yourself be future fit? Is just taking some time, and it's no more than half hour to an hour. Go on YouTube, go look at some blogs, and just understand what is the foundational level of knowledge I need to know about how this stuff works. Yeah. Because then you're in a better position to say, okay, now I understand how this works. I think I could use it with these tasks mm. or I think I could use it to help me with this. And going back to my earlier point, I think that's why, you know, don't do the tool first use case tasks later, do the kind of task assessment, use case assessment first, and then figure out, you know, could generative AI, you know, help you. And the thing is, it's, it's not going to be for everyone. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not going to be that way. So like any tool, you know, treat it that way. We've got a whole kind of stack of tools right now. You would do the same thing of those, treat that process in the same way. But mm -hmm. I mean, the main headline you say is, look, don't look at it as just content creation and then write it off. Because if you're doing that, I think you're really shooting yourself in the foot yeah. in terms of, you know, what it can do for your team, what it can do for yourself. So I would encourage, you know, a bit more experimentation and exploration in that. Yeah, so um, so I think that's a good primer, uh, Ross, to uh, to get into some of the more nitty gritty, um, mm. and and start thinking about what how it can help what L and D is mm. in organisations to do. Mm. So thinking about how ChatGPT or generative AI, perhaps broaden mm. this, uh, will help us um, to aid in transitions as people mm. um, uh, assimilate into our organisations and um, through future roles uh, to mm. positively affect performance. I think you've mm. touched on that, but perhaps we go mm. into a bit more detail. And then actually prepare people for future roles beyond mm. this hidden hope of uh, a skills taxonomy, generic skills content applied, yeah. and then this ridiculous belief that we can't shake in learning and development that consumption will somehow equal competence. So, so how can ChatGPT or generative AI help with these outcomes that we're seeking? Yeah, interesting, right? Um, really big questions, and I think probably really big answers to those as well. And as I say, like, I think no one knows the future. I think a lot of what I do is looking at data and making dubious speculations and looking at kind of what's happening now. I think it's really interesting, actually, because this morning I was reading that Walmart 
is going to give their own generative AI tool to 50,000 mm. of their non-store workers. So what we can already see is that we're now moving into this phase where, like I said before, we've left the hype cycle and companies are going, all right, we want to we want to get in this now. We want to bring these tools in. We want to help. We you know we've seen Salesforce do it. They've had their own generative AI for a while called Einstein GPT, which is helping out all their sales staff. So, you know, all of this stuff is happening now. Whether you are using, you know, ChatGPT Enterprise, which has just come out, or companies, you know, they're pretty much building their own generative AI tools, which is, um, you know, great. And you know, for some, it can be hit and a miss. I think what's really interesting in terms of how it can affect organizations is that. I think we're already seeing it. And I don't know if LND teams are that much aware of it from where they are. And the reason why I say that is to your point, I think the model that we currently have is more like a monolith of content that's stored on a system. And then we push that system out and call it learning and the flow of work, which I'm pretty sure a person didn't think of at the beginning of this is what learning and the flow of work would be, is no. that we'll have lots of content and then pushing it onto a system. I think, you know, it might be risque of me saying it, but I think now we're probably in the learning and flow of work actual phase where you've got these far smarter pieces of technology, which you can converse with, which can dive into company data, which can dive into world data and can actually challenge you and help you build a skill. And I think look, I see that with some organizations I've already spoken to who have been using ChatGPT or their own generative AI tools for performance reviews to help mm. people prep for performance review to go through scenario-based exercises with giving feedback to people. You know, it's just a completely different world from here's a PDF about the 10 steps you need to do to actually talking to a large language model, which then goes through the process of you could do this or you could do that. And you could go back and say, you know, this person has been here for X amount of years and this might be their attitude to it. What would you suggest? There's a lot of opportunity there for performance support which we always talk about and then helping people to build their skill as well and i think a lot of companies over the years have tried to do this in some facet or the other with very basic chatbots and it's not worked very well because they're always predefined responses or you need to have a predefined input but now we're in a space where any user in an organization and they are doing this right and they're going on and they're saying how do i do this how do i do that and it's interesting because for years we always spoke about people will go to google first before they would go to any internal tool, especially in L&D. I think what we're probably now seeing is they're going to a large language model first mm -hmm. before they even go to Google and the rest of that. Because what they're able to do is in that moment is effectively learning the flow of work because yeah. it's meeting them where they are. They're able to ask questions. They're able to get clarification. They don't need to go and talk to an L&D team and wait five days for something to happen. Mm. So I think it's definitely supercharging performance support whether it's doing it in the way that organization wants is another question mm -hmm. in terms of the data that's being fed back and that's where the conversation comes into either building your own tool or buying an enterprise tool mm -hmm. versus using a freemium model at the moment in time and actual skill builders like i was saying before it's if you're working with a tool like that and you're doing the same five to ten tasks and you're going back to that tool and that tool is helping you to improve if it's helping you spot things that aren't quite right in terms of you could be writing an email, you could be a software engineer and, you know, loads of software engineers are using it for code reviews as an example, and it's helping you improve on that. I always think, isn't that the point of what we want to do is mm -hmm. to actually technology to enable people to do that, whether it comes from your L&D team or whoever in the organization, 
It's about we want that for people. And I think this is probably the next level in decentralizing learning from mm. L D teams and actually saying, well, what we can do instead is how do we support people to make the best use of generative AI tools? Mm. So how do we teach them about, you know, safety with data, prompting, how to interact, you know, making sure they review outputs, what to do past that point, what tasks are going to work, what tasks aren't going to work. Mm. And I think that's probably what we're going to see if my dubious speculation over the next year as we move into that enterprise world now is that people are going to go right that can help us perform in the day-to-day and we can see that and then we'll start to see more use cases on right how do we build help people build skills that ai can assist with but then there's also you know, a circle outside of that of for future skills and future roles we then look at how do we really double down on the most human skills I think there's a lot of data out from loads of different organizations currently where a lot of the themes are around critical thinking, analytical thinking, communication, the most human type of skills. Mm -hmm. So if we're getting even clearer on what is really the top performing skills, then that's a win for me in terms of L&D too, because we're enabling people through technology. We're able to get real clarity on, you know, these are the real three to five skills that are going to help you in your role today, going to help mm-hmm. your organization, going to help future roles. So I think some of that up is, I think it's going to be a real enabler on not just that performance point, but helping us to just identify those next steps of the kind of LND journey or skill mm-hmm. development journey. And, you know, what can we do in there from a tool perspective and what mm-hmm. can we do there from a human perspective? Yeah, very interesting, Ross. Um, I think that uh, to build on uh, on what you've stated there, I think that uh, we'll see this as being uh, that bridge between knowledge management and learning and development. Again, it will be driven um, by the individual because I think that one of the um, the failings of uh, uh, of uh, of knowledge management is that it's been uh, pretty easy to capture knowledge, but pretty difficult to retrieve and utilize uh, when it's required. And I think learning and development have been concentrating much more on the delivery and development of Mm. generic isolated skill sets that are perhaps not directly aimed at helping people to do what they're in the organization to do, but but Mm. keep it generic and high level. Uh, And I think that, that, um, that generative AI uh securely embedded inside the organization mm. with access to uh, or trained on the mm. the the uh, proprietary information and the, the the perhaps the more uh, tacit know-how that makes people successful we'll see uh, more people with the ability to succeed going back to what you'd said earlier instead mm. of spending time uh, wondering how you might word an email um generative ai can can figure out very quickly the type of email that mm. will land with a particular stakeholder, which hopefully will elevate us from the weeds because how much time do we spend on the administration of mm. simply answering emails in a savvy way, um, uh, trying to gain uh, support for ideas, uh, perhaps cack-handedly. Um, <laughs> apologies to uh, uh, to the international uh, listener <laughs> using that phrase, but perhaps less sophisticatedly mm. um, than before. But I think that it will be the self people who utilize that tool first 
who benefit, but not everyone. There is there's still a large chunk of the population who need more hands-on guidance and support mm. to make the best use of the organization. Uh, so I think that it's going to be in anticipating the the needs and then surfacing guidance and support when required that it will see that it has mass appeal but i think that the critical element of that and i think that this is the this is a rallying cry to learning and development because i believe mm. that it'll either be lnd uh take the initiative or it'll be done by somebody else perhaps in operations mm. and that is figuring out what the critical points of failure in the organization actually are the smart learning and development teams who are making uh planned and demonstrable impact at pace uh, will respond to real learning needs and prioritize the things that would add the greatest value and measure their success or whether they added that value or not. The least effective learning and development teams are collecting learning needs from, from across the business, mm. aggregating those up to uh, to common levels of abstraction, developing standardized programs and content and leaving it to the self-directed learner to figure out the hard bit, which is applying that to their actual jobs. Uh, and then the L&D wonder whether they're making any difference whatsoever. Mm. But but chat GPT, I think, uh, or the um, uh, whether that's the enterprise version or, or um, uh, other vendors with their with their their own generative AI will be the ones uh, that will, will allow organizations to input their people and business data. So instead of saying to the stakeholder, uh, yes, of course, we'll deliver that training for you. When mm. would you like it done and who would you like it to attend? Mm. There will be a much more sophisticated conversation around. Right. Let's have a look at see the consequences of this to see what, whether, you know, uh, what level of resource we need to apply to this in order to, uh, to to fix it. And then we'll we'll have those honest conversations with stakeholders and say, oh, this doesn't seem like a big enough, uh, a bigger problem as we thought it was. Mm. What should we do? And there's a level of transparency or it will be oh crikey. This is much worse than uh, than we mm. thought. Let's see whether there is a there's a. Um, uh, this extends beyond just this team to what extent and then see what we need to do. So there's much more around the confirmation and validation and recognition of actual problems that need addressing that are your ground zero that, mm. that determine the um, the uh, the impact right at the outset, uh, rather than what we have right now, which is billions, hundreds of billions of pounds globally spent on standardized solutions to not not very well defined problems and mm. uh uh and we we can say with uh with with uh with authority ross uh because we both experienced it <laughs> uh, learning platforms bought in hope rather than uh real analysis um just just gathering dust in the corner let's <laughs> say gathering dust uh we could say uh um metaphorically speaking gathering dust uh, because they don't actually serve a purpose so so i think that there's uh, there's there's a lot to be hopeful for but but ross mm. you yourself have published a report uh on ai and lnd mm. uh, i'd love to know a bit about that about what you were hoping to uh, to achieve uh with mm. it, uh perhaps what some of those key findings were but also how you use chat gpt to to recognize some of those findings yeah yeah definitely so yeah i can definitely do that so look um, the reason why I did it was because uh, this is probably about mm, June this year. And obviously, you know, the, the hype was huge at this point around ChatGPT. Um, and I think, look, HR and LND are pretty much known to be slow to adopt mm -hmm. and adapt anything. 
Um, and I was just really trying to look for data that was LND specific on who's using this, what they're doing with it. And I was like, there must be people out there. Like, what is their what their views on this? You know, are they even aware of this technology? So I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm not Josh Burson, but I'm going to push out a report and <laughs> I'm just going to I'm just going to see if people respond to it. And luckily for me, 130 LND teams came back and kind of gave me their honest views about generative AI at that time. Um, and it was really simple. It was like a five question survey. And the whole output of it was for me to basically go as someone who's kind of working in this space of gathering lots of data and sharing out of people, making insights like how did the industry actually feel about this mm -hmm. technology and what did they know about it and then how could i just share that with other people to say look this is what your fellow lnd pro is thinking about so if you know if you're that one person team or you're a bigger team in a bigger organization at least you had some tangible data which was not just the generic stuff that we were seeing everywhere mm. so that was the real um, aim of it and the the outcome, like I say, I, I'm not a Josh Burston. I haven't got a 20 person team producing very slick McKinsey looking reports. Um, so if you do download it, which you can do for free, please don't judge me and my visual design skills. <laughs> like I say, the, the data is there to really help people, you know, kind of make their own insights. And the hope is that they can then use that data to work with their organization to look at what do they want to do, you know, with this kind of new technology. This is what we can see in our specific industry. So what could we do with that? And I think there was three main key findings that i'll share with you that i'm kind of still working through now i still talk to a lot of individuals and organizations so one of the questions on there was around and it was the big one for me is you know fundamentally what do you know about generative ai today and you know i wasn't surprised 64 percent of people came back to me and said i don't really know anything i need better education on it mm. so one of the reasons why i've kind of really been pouring myself into this video series on LinkedIn and talking about it a lot is, like I said before, the key thing for me is people haven't got any baseline education on mm. it. So how do we just bring people from nothing to something? How do we at least give you something that makes you feel a little bit confident in a conversation when, and I'm sure it's happening, you're walking into a meeting at work and someone's going, chat GPT, chat GPT. And you're like, oh my God, I don't know what this thing is. What is this thing? How does it work? What do mm. we do? So for me, that 64%, I think, yeah, okay, that makes sense. You know, that wasn't, surprising to me i think what was a little surprising to me was that 70 percent of people had said that they would feel confident in using these tools once they understand them mm. which i thought is that potential bias because of being the lnd world and just assuming because we're in some ways this collector of delivery that once you've you know you've got your 10 minute spill that you're just going to you know deliver this and it's you're going to be great and you're going to be comfortable with it I think it's interesting because my devil's advocate is I don't think people are going to find it as easy as they believe it is or just picking up any tool because there's a lot of nuances around it. It's fast moving. Um, so you've got to go with that. But I admire the confidence. So I was like, OK, that's interesting. So we haven't got a lot of education, but for some reason, we're super confident on actually using the tools when we get them. OK, cool. So and the last one for me was I mean, one of the bigger ones is trying to find out from people, are they playing with AI tools right now? Mm. and what is the plan in organizations you know from what they could share with me and what do they see as the future in this so what i found is that 70 percent, 77 percent of people sorry said the integration of ai tools into their lnd team was going to be vital for future organizational success mm. so what that was really saying to me was you know people were really clear on look we've heard of this thing we may not know a lot about it but we know it's going to be really important Mm. So we can see clearly that there's a high percentage saying, 
this is going to be a thing. Yeah, this is not a fad. We've seen use cases. It's coming in. We've seen people using it. And I think what that's saying to me is that there is now this moment where I feel that people can bridge that gap between saying, if we've got this data and we know it's going to be important, what can we do as professionals individually to upskid ourselves? So then you're in a better place to support your organization. Because if you know nothing about generative AI and chat GPT right now, it's going to be very hard for you to sit in meetings and provide any credible participation in a conversation around a LND strategy that is entwined with this. And this is happening a lot because, yeah. you know, I'm not an AI expert, but people reach out to me and they're saying to me, you know, hey, I'm getting pressure from my senior team about using chat GPT or generative AI tools. And, they, you know, what do I do? How do I do it? So I can already start to see this movement of people aren't feeling comfortable to either A, push back or B, have enough knowledge to have that credible conversation and be that consultant and advise mm. because a lot of people will be in this space now, probably like it was back in the day with e-learning and other tools. Like, oh, this is a sexy, bright new thing. Let's just use it because it's popular. Yeah. Whereas going back to our earlier part of the conversation, you know, right tool for right job. And to your last question about how I use ChatGPT to kind of synthesize his findings, mm. um, I've got a video somewhere as well that I'll share so people mm. can see that too. But actually, it was really quick, which was yeah. really good. So I was able to take that data, just use it from a Google form. Um, so what I will say is, if you want to do this, as I explain it now, you need ChatGPT Pro, which is, I don't know, like $20 a month. Um, and you can upload documents. So what I was able to do is just put my CSV across. And I'd already seen the data. I kind of made my own assessments. I thought, these, these are the things I think are interesting. And I had that conversation with ChatGPT. I just said, look, I'm an L&D strategist. I've collected all this data. What I want to understand from you is viewing this data, looking at my industry and looking at the topic that I'm talking about, what do you think is most relevant here? Mm -hmm. And then I kind of began the chat from there. I gave my own views and said, these are the things I find interesting. And then it pulled out some stuff for me. And then what I also liked it did is that it would suggest things to me that I never even thought of. So mm -hmm. it would come back and answer my questions. It would say, oh, hi, I've noticed these three bits here that correlate with each other would you want to know more about that i'm like yes please i'll, I'll know about that <laughs> so uh, that's why i think it's quite interesting because it's even starting to look at and analyze you know how can it unearth other bits for you mm. and support you and effectively make me look smarter than i actually am yeah. and we're going to see a lot more of this because microsoft's own co-pilot which is basically it's generative AI add-on is coming into the Microsoft stack. So you'll see this in Excel and PowerPoint mm. and other elements. But I thought it was really interesting that, you know, if I was to do this on my own completely and analyze that data and make all the visualizations and, and do that, you know, it probably would have been a week's worth of work. Mm. But what I was able to do is actually bring that down to half a day just by doing my own top line overview and then working with an artificial intelligence partner to say, what do you see? Yeah. What am I missing? Based on your training data, what should I be considering? Now, it wasn't all beautiful. It didn't come out with, you know, glowing stuff, mm. but it came out with enough where I was like, this has helped me. Yeah. This is, and I've continued to use that now. So if anyone follows my newsletter, for example, they see I do these data breakdowns and case studies. And I'm very open to people where I say, look, I'm not reading these 300 page reports back to back. Mm. I'm getting into, you know, the, the usual command F on my laptop to find the things that are interesting for me. 
I pull those insights out. So I'm not leaving it to AI completely, but then I bring that in to support me and say, what have I missed? Mm. You know, these are the things I identified. What can you see in there based on my industry, based on what I do and what I'm trying to achieve? And I think that is the specificity you need of generative AI. I think a lot of the information right now is too generic. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, just tell me how to do this. That's not how it works. You need yeah. to give it context to what you're doing. So for doing this report, um, like, like I say, I was it was incredibly helpful just to, you know, give me a whole kind of response in these are things that you could look at. And the real gold here is you continue to have a conversation with it. Mm -hmm. You don't just do the first output. So you can go, oh, okay, that's interesting. Tell me more about that. Based on what you found there, can you go into your training data and find any other examples of this mm -hmm. you know, before generative AI came out? And the beauty of that is it can pull in these other articles and say, oh, I found this, or oh, I found that this might be interesting for you. And then of course, you know, as we say with, with uh, data hands, then go and fact check those because yep. it hasn't got the best reputation of uh, being completely truthful. But I think it's stuff like that, which if we imagine the world we have operated in, how difficult has that been for us? It's mm -hmm. hours of research, trying to find that right stuff and bring it in. So I think for me, that's a, a big use case in, you know, how can this enable you you know, to do better work. And I must say it's definitely, um, and people might think I'm crazy, but it's, it's improved the way I think about data and mm. the way I think about analyzing data because I've seen even trends and themes in its responses, which it's put in from the kind of world's knowledge where I'm like, I should probably start doing some of that in mm. my own kind of like human interaction. So yeah, it's um, in some, it's been, very useful to get that data and very eye-opening to then use generative AI to help me synthesize that data. Yeah, I, lo I love that. I, when I saw that uh, that video of, uh, of you using ChatGPT mm. to, to help you to analyze the uh, the findings, I thought that was so smart. It's one of those things that I mentioned to you earlier. Sometimes mm. uh, our own objectivity can cloud our judgment. Uh, so if you can gain your objectivity via generative AI mm. to help you to see things spot trends that uh, that mm. you could that you couldn't do uh on your own i just think it's it's hugely valuable and what a what a, a brilliant partner um ross as we look into uh to wrap mm. things up um you know and building on what you've what you've just mm. said there you know mm. um uh the microsoft office suite looking to mm. incorporate generative ai into mm. their co-pilot which um uh for for you know they've been teasing for for several months now will mm. help you to develop your powerpoint yeah. slideshow uh it can uh, help you to create uh, an um uh excel uh, formulas mm. well that entire entire spreadsheets mm. uh so uh, so uh thank goodness uh, perhaps that will put an end to <laughs> uh, to excel training and uh, and and uh, and the the bane of my life when I was uh, was running L and D uh, functions, uh, Excel refresher training. How many oh how many refresher training do we need to run to realise it's never going to stick? Uh, so so all of these things are going to help mm. us to be more effective mm. um, humans in the workplace because we're mm. not going to be in the admin. Now it's going to scare some people because they see that 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 either creating spreadsheets or um uh, creating slideshows is what makes them brilliant but again like we we elevate our status as humans mm. by not being drawn into that stuff so so with that as a teaser ross and mm. uh, um you know the, the 64 million dollar question to you is mm. ross where do you think this is going 
Yeah, I mean, again, a bit, a bit of dubious speculation on my <laughs> end here, but I, I think I was just saying before, I think we've moved from the hype cycle into probably better adoption now. And as you say, you know, Google, Microsoft and others are now adding on, baking in this stuff into their own products now. So you are going to see it become a bit more day-to-day and probably less novel um where it supports you i mean i hate to say it but i suppose the best example is where we used to have clippy back in the 90s of microsoft word where um although it wasn't very powerful to come up and give you hints and you know this is like clippy on steroids if you want to call it that in terms of you're sitting there and you would basically work with tools which would say you know i can you know how would i do this or how would i do that and effectively as your point is it is that next evolution of learning so instead of being that course instead of being that video it's a helpful companion mm-hmm. on the right hand side of your screen that sits there with you and you work through that and i think that is especially if it's trained in your company data is a real beautiful thing to not have to take you out of where you are because the one thing i hate is um and it's a prime example of data if i'm working with a huge data set you know and i'm throwing v lookups and pivot tables left right and center i'm focused in that screen i don't really want to have to leave said screen to then keep looking at something on an LXP or elsewhere. Sometimes it's needed, of course, but for you know basic to intermediary tasks, to get help there in the moment, I think is just so, so, so powerful. Mm-hmm. And I, on top of that, you know, we've talked about ChatTB for Business, which was released a few weeks ago. I know a number of companies have started to use that enterprise version. Obviously, as we've already mentioned, Microsoft, Google were enterprise versions, many more companies. So it's probably going to be the battle of enterprise platforms mm. um, over the next year now versus chat GPT. So a lot of the data considerations and concerns, which are very valid for people, will probably start to be addressed now because what companies want is a way to integrate this safely, of course, and use this in a way where proprietary data is not going to be exposed. Now, you know, they always say, um, common sense isn't very common. So it, it's probably that element where LND teams can definitely help in the support of how do we teach people just about handling data in general? And I must say, this is not new. You know, th- this is the same for any tools that we've got right now, applications, personally or professionally. I just think people probably aren't so aware how much data they're leaking out into the world um, unchecked. So again, there'll be components around that. And I think, look, I said before about the Josh Burson bit of learning in the flow of work. I think this is actually it now. I think this is actually meeting you where you are. And I think a lot of the smart vendors, a lot of the smart platforms are saying, maybe people aren't going to come to our front end as often. But what we can do is be a bit more intelligent and apply generative AI into a way where we can meet people where they are with our content. So they might have a, you know, if they're making their own version of chat GPT, which people seem to be doing and putting GPT on the end of it, mm-hmm. um, you know, they can have that in the user's screen or their workspace, and it still pulls on the content that's in their libraries, the education that's there. But I think that experience, you know, will change in terms of how people interact with, you know, the traditional LMSs and LXPs. But I think that's the same for search. I think we're already seeing people's, you know, what's been a pretty solid industry for Google in terms of, you know, having that verb for you Google, everything has changed all of a sudden. It's like, we're not necessarily going to that front end. You're still accessing data from Google, but you're just doing it 
in a different way and you're having a different experience. So I think the smarter organizations are definitely going to do that. And as I say, I think, you know, we're now moving into the phase of enterprise tools, sorting out the data issue. This is more going to be a performance tool, a productivity tool. And I think now is the time where it's like L&D teams, organizations in general, you know, how do you educate yourselves and your people on how to use this tool? Mm-hmm. What are the opportunities? What are the limitations? It's not going to do everything for you, as I say, and how best to, you know, use this. Yeah. And it w- we'll just flow into there. And I think over the next few years, you know, we'll keep seeing these adaptions into the tool. We'll find more use cases. And then um, like, like most things we use now, right, it will mm-hmm. become part of that. And then you'll find it hard to imagine how you weren't, you know, how you were living before you had it. And, and you know, something else will come on the plot. So I think that that's what's really interesting right now. Where I see it going is that we've got this business element where I think now, I say earlier on the article about Walmart bringing 50,000 of their employees, we're going to start seeing more of that. We're going to start seeing more businesses go, how can we use this? And I think, again, to my point is, I would encourage people, how do you use it intelligently? It's yeah. not about reducing workforce automate everything it's just you know it's probably not going to do that right mm-hmm. so the rest of it is about think intelligently apply it and then you know just be smart i say to people all the time it's like you don't need to be like an expert on this stuff mm-hmm. just just be a bit savvy and that will make you smarter you can use the kind of power of these tools and uh and, and really help you in the work that you're doing much like to our examples right at the beginning where people were reading books where they were using calculators <laughs> it's, it's the same thing it's helped people do stuff faster and now we worship books half yes. the time it's some kind of one of the greatest things ever so who knows you know 30 years from now maybe you're all sitting around here and the next generation will be like oh god this is amazing yeah we just talk to lmns all the time we're just laughing they're like oh okay there was a time where we all thought the world was going to end because of this but <laughs> we are yeah and there's uh there's there's a phrase that you use quite uh, uh quite often as well in your videos um that uh that that chat gpt isn't going to take your jobs yeah and it's going to help you with your tasks you know it could mm. it could take tasks away that that again elevate um the uh the, the state your status within an organization because mm. you're able to do the stuff that that makes a bigger um more valuable impact in your organization but don't you worry about it taking tasks if it can take yeah. your task now perhaps perhaps that wasn't going to be offering you the value uh to your your performance in your careers that you thought it was yeah definitely i think look this this might be a bit too top level for people listening to this but i'd invite them to research it so i think many people get confused with mainstream media of films like the terminator or ex machina have anyone seen that that's a bit of a freaky film if you want to look into ai um but that is what we call artificial general intelligence which is basically sentient technology that doesn't need us thinks and learns for itself that is not what we're talking about right now mm. chat gpt and most generative ai tools are only focused on able to do one task or a few tasks so they call that narrow ai because basically that's what it is. It's very basic. So it has its limitations. It's not going to take over everything. This is definitely not my money back guarantee in terms of judgment day not happening. Mm. But I think, as I say, that's the education bit for me. You know, I feel more confident now because I've educated myself more on, you know, what does this stuff mean? So my understanding of this being a narrow type of AI has helped me look at, okay, it's got a limit. You know, this is not Arnold Schwarzenegger going to kick my door down at some point and say, 
I'm going to take over being L&D strategist now and do all this. You know, there's there's the right tool for the right job. So I think, look, a little understanding can go a really long way. And as I say, and to your point, the the smartest people are going to look at this. They're going to want to understand it. They're going to want to look at how can I intelligently apply this to what I do because it's going to make you better. It's going to make you smarter in terms of the career marketplace. It's going to upgrade currency that you have in that marketplace because of you're the person that can simplify this that can bring this in an lnd team that can make it work and provide performance that's going to go a long way mm -hmm. and then you can also then improve on those other human skills which you know generative ai is not going to look at and i think it puts you in a better place my main thing would be just go out there and experiment with it yeah. don't sit on the fence and just be like I'm going to wait to see if this thing's legit because you could be sitting there a long time um, for that to happen. So yeah, just go and just go and try it out and see how you get on. That's it. Yeah. Get on the bus because the bus is going to continue to move and the longer mm. it's moving, the faster it's going to get and it's harder. It's going to be to jump on. Uh, I usually ask at this point, uh, mm. uh, Ross, to, uh, to, to give advice to the listener uh, who wants to explore yeah. chat GPT more. And I think you've been very generous with that. I feel mm. that, uh, that we would, um, uh that perhaps duplicate so i'm so i'm going to mm. go against convention and i'm going to suggest uh that the listener um follows you on linkedin uh, and explore some of the videos that you're doing because you're very prolific um uh, but every single one is insightful you're you're you share not just the potential of generative ai or chat gpt you share very generously what you're actually doing and and in, mm. with that example of uh, of how you you you've got chat gpt to analyze um, the report findings I thought was, um, you know, for for a three minute video, uh, it increased certainly my uh, my my perception, mm. and so I think that's so. So I would give advice to the listener and say to to follow you on LinkedIn uh, and to to keep a keen eye on um, uh, on uh, on the videos that you share. But if you were to give one piece of uh, of advice, mm. uh, Ross, on top of what you have already, what would you say? I mean, it's the main one. Just be curious. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing at the end of the day, just be curious. I think Albert Einstein said a beautiful quote, which is about something about learning starts at birth and only ceases at death. And I think, look, you never you never stop. And it's it's just being curious. And I think at the end of the day, like it's easy. And you've seen this on LinkedIn, right? It's easy for people to say it's evil. It's going to do this. It's going to do that and data. But I always think about, you know, play your own chess game be the chess player don't be the chess piece mm. so go out there and do that and um just experiment you know nothing bad's going to happen just see how it goes read a few articles go on a few youtube videos and you never know you know two or three months from now you might be on some kind of ai high like the rest of us are so um yeah i'll just encourage a bit more curiosity brilliant thanks ross we'll uh, we'll put some links uh, in the show notes for um uh your linkedin profile uh, and your report but uh if somebody wants to, to get in touch with you how best can they do so yeah so it, it will be linkedin um and then still these thoughts.com so that's where you can get me brilliant uh well this has been hugely insightful ross i'm sure it's been uh, uh incredibly valuable to listener so it's all left all is left for me to say is thank you very much for joining me again on the learning and development podcast great thanks for having me have a good day I love that Ross has taken it upon himself to explore ChatGPT on behalf of the LED community and he's doing some truly pioneering work. We could all do a lot worse than to follow his progress, digest his shares on social media and give it a go ourselves.
And thank you, Ross, on behalf of all of us. If this conversation has whet your appetite for good quality L&D chat and you'd like to get involved, you can now join the L&D Collective, of which I'm an active member. Join me and thousands of L&D peers via the link to the L&D Collective in the show notes. And if you'd like to get in touch with me, perhaps to suggest topics you'd like to hear discussed, you can tweet me at David in Learning and connect on LinkedIn. Again, you'll find links in the show notes. And goodbye for now.